0: Wonderful time of worship. Christ, our hope in life and death. You realize that is true for the believer. He's our hope here in the present, and He is our hope in death. Amen. All right, if you would turn with your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to carry on with what Pastor Todd has been doing as he's been working through the Sermon on the Mount, particularly the Beatitudes here in the first. 11 verses. We will be today in verse uh, 5, uh, but I want to read all of these verses to you just to kind of bring back into the context of what we're working through this morning. Chapter 5 reads this way It says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So we know who it is that was gathered around Christ, it was his disciples. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you. Uh, desiring, Lord, to see the wonderful things of your word this morning. God, as Psalm 119 says, Lord, open our eyes so that we can see these wonderful things. We need your help. We need your assistance. We need your spirit to illumine our minds and our hearts so that we can see who you are. And so, God, I pray would you do that work among us this morning and God, would you make clear this passage of Matthew 5, 5 of what it means to be meek and what it means that they shall inherit the earth. Lord, would you make that clear to us today for your glory. Or it's not for our glory. It's for your glory. It's for our good. And so, Lord, please do this for the glory of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. This morning I want to look at uh, verse 5 of the Beatitudes, but I want to kind of reverse and think back on some of the things that Pastor Todd has already talked to us about as we've been traveling through this. I want to pick up particularly on this, that we've seen over the past few weeks that the Beatitudes are character traits of those who are part of the kingdom of God. And I want to be clear this morning that these traits outlined here describe all believers, and all believers give evidence of these traits. They're a whole. Through them, we view Christian character, Christian traits from eight different angles as we work through the Beatitudes. And I want to say this to you this morning, that none of these traits, none of these character qualities are natural to us. They're not natural to us. Instead, each of these Virtues, these traits is produced by grace and they are the spirit's work within us they're produced by grace through the spirit producing them in us within us and so in other words this what jesus is teaching here in matthew chapter 5 is what jesus is making us to be It's what Jesus is making us to be. We are, as Romans 8.29 says, we're being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Amen? You guys are going to be hard this morning, aren't you? (laughs) I'm not used to that, so I'll keep engaging you until you respond, all right? I want to say this to you. We're being conformed into the image of Christ. But let me say this, and I think many of you will identify with this in here. That conformity process is not always easy. That conformity process, in many ways, is very difficult. It's very hard. It's very trying. It's not easy, is it? Many of us know that, don't we? That it's not easy being conformed into the image of Christ. But I want us to be reminded that this, what Jesus says here in these verses, and the Sermon on the Mount, this is the people God's making us to be. This is who he's making us to be. So what is Jesus saying here when he says, blessed are the meek? How does that relate to us? In many ways, this phrase in verse 5 is very strange to us, isn't it? This word meek, it's, it's not a word we normally hear. It's, in many ways, it's, it's foreign to us because we live in a world that thinks in terms of strength and power and ability and self-assurance, aggressiveness, self-realization, self-actualization. That's the world we live in, isn't it? So we're not used to hearing terms like meek. The reality is, the more in our culture you assert yourself, the more you express yourself, the more you organize and demonstrate your powers and abilities, the more likely you are to succeed. The more likely you are to inherit the earth. Do you agree? Those who take the bull by the horns. And so the Beatitudes, according to the world would be much like this. Blessed are the strong. Blessed are the movers and shakers. Blessed are the beautiful. Blessed are the proud and bold. Blessed are the persuasive. Blessed are the ambitious. Our world values the personal possession of power, doesn't it? Our world values the personal possession of power to use it for its own end, for its own purpose. Yet here, we're reminded that the believer is altogether different from the world. We're reminded of that here. He's telling us, he's he's making us the citizens of the kingdom of God. And this is what it looks like. It's entirely different than everything else around us. Entirely different. And so in many ways, the disciples then and the disciples now, we need to be retaught. Because all we're consumed with is with the culture around us and what the world says. And we don't understand in many ways what this term meek means. It's foreign to us. But before we get into what the term means, I want to say this to you. It's important that you see this morning that meekness is the byproduct of poverty, of spirit, and those who mourn. It's it's a byproduct of those two Beatitudes that went before it because as Todd has already went over, Pastor Todd, he he told us that the poor in spirit realizes his or her own own weakness. His or her own poverty before God. His or her own bankruptcy before God. He he or she realizes they're empty-handed. There's nothing he or she can bring. It's like the hymn, Rock of Ages, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. We know that. Those who are poor in spirit. Those who God has done that work in. We realize the weakness and poverty that we have. And it leads us to mourning. It, it, re, it leads us to mourn over the effects of sin in our world. It leads us to mourn over the sins of others. It leads us to mourn our sin. Much like what Paul said in Romans chapter seven, O wretched man that I am. Or as Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6, woe is me. Those are expressions of mourning. And mourning over empty handedness. Mourning of sin. Mourning the wreckage of sin in our lives and ultimately in the world. Does that make sense to you? And so it leads us to what is meekness? What is it? The word meek in the Greek is prias, And it means this. It means to be mild. It means to be gentle. It means to be soft. It means to be tender. It means to be lowly. So the question is, what does it look like? What does it look like when meekness is operating in our lives? This morning I want us to consider two spheres as we think about this idea of meekness. The first sphere I want us to to think about is vertically. I, I want us to think about what does meekness look like towards God? And then secondly, I want us to look at horizontally. What does meekness look like with one another? Does that make sense? So we got some examples of what meekness is. So let's talk about it. What does meekness look like when it's going towards God. Matthew Henry, a great commentator, Puritan, said this, and I'm kind of rewording some of the things, otherwise you'd probably be a little confused uh, with what he said, but he says, "'There is meekness towards God, and it is this. "'It's the quiet submission of the soul to his word "'and providential care for our lives.'" Does that make sense to you this morning? Meekness towards God is submission, submission to his word and to his care, his providential care for our lives. Meekness towards God recognizes the sovereignty of God as the one who has the right to do to us and with us whatever he seems right. Meekness is humbly submitting to God's providence, even when that providence brings affliction. It's humbly submitting to that. Because those who are meek know this. They they know this about our God. They know that He's holy. They know that He's good. They know that He's wise. And they know, therefore, He can be trusted. So they submit. To his word. They submit to his providence in their lives. Some examples, some biblical examples of this is in Leviticus chapter 10. You can just write these down. We're going to be moving quickly through many passages this morning. But Leviticus chapter 10, 1 through 3, it says, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. Nadab and Abihu, two priests, and they are to worship God and Arthur or, or offer up, Arthur, I'm looking at Arthur. <laughs> offer up uh, worship to God. And here they do it wrongly. They do it however they deem right to do it. And here's what happens. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. They died for this. Now I want you to notice in the text of what it says. It says, Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. That's what God's Word has to say. And I want you to hear how Aaron responds to this. And the text says, And Aaron held his peace, what was Aaron doing? Aaron was submitting, humbly submitting to the Word of God and the providence of God. Even when that providence brings about hardship and affliction and loss, we humbly submit. Does that make sense to you this morning? That's meekness toward God. Or you think about Eli, the priest. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, 10-18, you have this whole thing you remember probably where God is calling out to Samuel and Samuel's hearing his name but doesn't know what to do. And then finally he hears, he responds and he hears what God has to say. And what God has to say is a judgment against Eli and his two sons who were priests. And Eli, curious about what Samuel heard, he tells, Eli, he tells Samuel, tell me what God told you. Don't withhold what he has to say. And here's what he was told. He was told that there would be, God would come against his household. He would destroy his sons. And this is this good news? I so think he wondered, why did I ask that question? And here's what. Samuel said, so Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him, didn't withhold anything. And he said, it is the Lord. This is Eli's response. It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Let him do what seems good to him. Again, this humble submission to the word of God and the providential care of God. We see that in the life of Eli. We see that in the life of Aaron. We see that in the life of Job. You look at Job chapter 1, everything unravels right there in chapter 1, doesn't it? Job's possessions, what happens to them? They're all gone, taken away all in one day. And listen to what the response of Job is to that. Job 1, 21 through 22, it says, And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Again, what do we see? We see this humble submission to God and meekness towards Him. We are submitting to His Word and to His work in our lives. It's what it means to be meek towards God. It's to accept His care for our lives, that we're not kicking against it. But we accept it. I mean, the supreme example of this meekness is our Lord Jesus. When he said, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Submission. We sang the hymn a minute ago of Horatio Spafford, who composed that hymn after losing his four daughters at sea. When he comes to the spot as he's traveling to be back with his wife after the wreckage, as he comes to the point of where the ship went down, Spafford recorded these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. For many of us in this room, I've seen many of you in situations, whether it's with cancer or just hardship in life, losing of a job or stress at home or whatever it is, many of you acknowledging God's sovereignty and clinging to His Word and hoping in Him. Trusting in Him that He is holy and good and wise. Where else would we look? Where else would we turn? We look to Him. And so there's meekness towards God and submitting to His Word and to His care for our lives. But what about horizontally? What does it look like horizontally to one another? What does meekness look like toward one another? Meekness is this. It it enables a calm and careful self-control. It it enables us to suffer long when others others wrong us. Meekness is what keeps us from taking the bait and being provoked. A man is meek or a woman is meek when he or she is unconcerned about their own honor and their own rights. The meek man or woman is not looking for recognition. The the meek man or woman is not filled with self-pity. The meek man or woman doesn't take offense easily. Some examples of that is found in 2 Samuel 16, 12-13, where King David Shimei has come up against him and has cursed him and threw stones at him and flung dust at him. And this is King David's response to him. He commands his soldiers to do nothing to this man. And he says this, It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. He didn't respond to him and retaliation Matthew chapter 5 verse 44 just a few verses from where we're at we see that the meek loves his or her enemies we also see that the meek prays for his or her enemies they're not retaliating against them Romans 12 tells us we are to do good the meek will do good to their enemies and so the meek can and does forgive injuries against themselves those who have brought injury to them. And by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, he or she can forget slights against them. Forget it and forgive. Why are we able to do that? Why are believers able to forgive? Why are believers able to to forget slights? We have Paul in Colossians chapter 3 that tells us He says, put on these things, and we'll talk more about it in just a moment. He says, but a compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, and here it is, as the Lord has forgiven you. There's the standard. There's the standard. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Forgive. That's meekness. The ability to forgive. To be willing to forgive. To be willing to look away. To be willing to bear that offense. Meekness forgives injuries. It's just the opposite of those who are in unbelief. Unbelievers, those who are not converted, they forget kindness, don't they? But the thing that they remember They always remember the injuries. They always remember and recall the slights against them, don't they? So the meek man is a humble man. Even lowly. Never needs to be heard. Matthew Henry said this, to just sum up what is meekness. He said this, he says, the meek man... Is quiet and peaceful. The meek man is quiet and peaceful. It reminds me of what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. But notice back in our text in verse 5, this is a blessing pronounced upon. He says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. How do we understand this meekness with the rest of Scripture? With all the rest of Scripture? I want to point you to this. Can you look at a pattern? Can you look at a prime example, an ultimate example of this? Yes, we can. We look at the ultimate example of this and it's found in Jesus Christ. It's found in Jesus Christ. The ultimate model of meekness is found in him. What better pattern can we look to than when God comes in the person of Jesus Christ? As we meditated on the scripture passage, Matthew 11, verse 29 through 30, look there with me quickly. Listen to what it says. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This, This is really a fascinating insight into the character and life of Christ. It really is. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson said this commenting on this passage. He says, This meekness is virtually the only personal quality about himself to which Jesus drew specific attention. He is indeed, in a biblical sense, Ferguson says, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. What are we to learn from Jesus? What are we to learn? We're going to be here a while if you don't answer. <laughs> We're to learn meekness, aren't we? This word meek and gentleness can be used interchangeably in the, in the New Testament. He says, for I'm gentle, or I'm meek and lowly in hard." And so what Jesus is saying to the audience is this, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle. Learn gentleness. Learn meekness from me. He, he doesn't say learn to perform miracles. He doesn't say learn to do the spectacular. He says learn meekness. Another example of this, just another snapshot into the life of Christ and His meekness is Matthew 20, verse 20. A quote from the Old Testament, that Jesus is speaking of Himself here. He says, A bruised reed He will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not quench. What is Jesus saying? He's referring to people who are broken. He's referring to people who are hurting. He's referring to those who are in deep pain and how he will deal with them. Notice how he will deal with them. I will not break them. And I will not quench them. You see that? That's meekness. That's gentleness. And we see this throughout all the gospel writings, don't we? And how Jesus deals with sinners. How Jesus deals with those who are sick. How Jesus deals with those who are grieving the death of a loved one. How does he deal with them? He deals with them gently. He deals with them gently in meekness. I mean, you think about John chapter 21, after Jesus' resurrection, and you find his encounter with Peter, and you think after all that happened with Peter, Peter, Peter denying Christ to the point of cursing, I don't know this man, and running off, and you look in the text in John 21, and you see how Jesus deals with him. What Jesus says to him, Jesus comes to him and says three times to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And what is Peter's response? Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you. You you remember this interaction. Jesus could have been harsh with him. He could have been like, Peter, how could you have done such things? We've walked together for these three-something years. How would you do that? What was in you? What was in your mind? I told you I was going to do this. Why did you deny me? No. Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Gentle. Or you think about John chapter 13, when just before the Passover, Jesus bows before his disciples and he washes their feet. He's gentle. He's lowly. In fact, Jesus was so meek that he would permit himself to be openly, bitterly, continuously slandered for the words he spoke, the company he kept, the teaching he gave, the miracles he performed, for the claims he made. He was so meek that Peter said when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. In fact, Isaiah prophesied of that in Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. You think about on the cross. There's so many examples. On the cross, he said this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's meekness. It's meekness towards others. This is meekness. This is the ultimate example. I mean, you think about how the writers even classified Christ coming into the world, that He was the Lamb of God. He was gentle. He was lowly. The Lamb of God to take away the sins of the people. And I want to say this to you this morning. All these qualities, that have been outlined here in the Beatitude, are to be qualities that you and I share. We share them in Christ. Because you realize this, when you are meek, it is evidence of your union with Christ and your conformity to His image. Does that make sense to you? It's evidence of union to Christ and conformity to his image. So not only does Scripture give us a picture of meekness, the ultimate example of that, of being Christ, but we also see, secondly, that Scripture commands us to put on meekness. It commands us to do that. Why are we instructed to put on meekness? Because it's not natural to us. It's not natural to us. Naturally, we don't desire meekness. It is, in fact, antithetically opposed to our natural desires. It's opposed to it. However, since we've been made alive, it should be part of our lives. Every believer is to be this way. Colossians chapter 3, we read it a moment ago where Paul tells the church at Colossae to put on meekness, to put on gentleness. It's an imperative. It's a command to do so. So the beatitude could say this, blessed are those who have obeyed the command of God through the power of the Spirit and put on meekness. The the beatitude could say that. Or you think about what Paul told Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6.11, he says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Or what Paul told the church at Ephesus. It's very important to see this in Ephesians 4, 1-3. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, or meekness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity. The unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. You see what Paul says about meekness and the importance of it among the body of Christ, the believers of Christ? That meekness, gentleness, is actually what protects unity. The body. Of Christ, It's important. We see in 1 Peter 3.15 where P- Peter says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. And here's what Peter says to them. Yet do it, guess how? In meekness. Do it in gentleness. And so when our culture rages and is hostile to the truth, Guess what our response is to be? It's to be done in meekness. It's to be done in gentleness. And so the beatitude could say this, Blessed are those who have obeyed the command of God by the Holy Spirit and have put on meekness because they have mortified pride. They've mortified through the Spirit pride. They've mortified through the Spirit irritability, harshness, and self-interest. They're praying and asking God to do a work in their lives. to, To put away their wretched condition and to put on meekness. Does that make sense to you this morning? So not only do we have the ultimate example given to us and a command is given to us, but we also see that this we have a promise. And third point is this: the indwelling Holy Spirit, and by the way, this is the final point. Point number three: the indwelling Holy Spirit produces meekness in our lives. The Holy Spirit does that. It's not something we do for ourselves. It's not something that we conjure up in our lives. It is meekness this meekness that jesus is talking about is something that's not natural to us it is something that god gives us through the work of the spirit in our lives Does that make sense to you this morning in galatians chapter 5 23 22 and 23 it says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness we're almost there gentleness right Meekness is what Paul is referring to. Against such things there is no law. So, this meekness is the work of God in our life. And we see here in Galatians this sharp contrast between what is the flesh and what is the spirit, what is an unbeliever and what is a believer. And what Paul says here, what he describes, the work of the spirit in our lives, he describes it as fruit. It's something that's going to be blatantly obvious. You know, this time of the year, I love this time of the year. Do you? I love the fall. I love going to Haney's Orchard. I I do. Jamie and I were there just a week or so ago. And as we're driving through, it's very, very obvious what that place is about. I mean, on their shirts, on their trees, on the buildings, everywhere you go, what is it about? It's about apples, isn't it? As you're driving on 80 and you start passing it, what do you start seeing hanging on the trees this time of the year? We start seeing apples. It's obvious. It's evidence. It's evidence that that is an apple tree. And what Paul is saying about the fruit of the Spirit, it is obvious that they're the people of God. It's clear, it's not hidden. And so the fruit shows the reality of the profession. So this is a picture of the believer, the maturing believers, a meek person who is being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Look back to our text in verse 5. He says, blessed are the meek. And I want to say this to you. Of course, they're blessed. Blessed. Of course they're blessed because they are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ who is the ultimate pattern, example of meekness. Of course they are blessed because they are commanded to put this on. And of course they're blessed because it's the fruit and work of God's Spirit in their lives. You hear me this morning? So what is, as we finish here, what does Jesus mean when he says they shall inherit the earth? It doesn't seem like we're inheriting the earth. Does it to you? The ones who are inheriting the earth, it seems like those I described early on. The powerful, the aggressive, the movers and shakers. Those those are the ones that seemingly are inheriting the earth. Do you agree? What Jesus is describing here is a great reversal. A great reversal. The kingdom of God will turn the values of this world upside down. We don't see things the same way, do we? The world looks at it totally different than we look at it. It should, right? We should be looking at it differently. But in Psalm 37, it's interesting, in Psalm 37, because I'm sure those who are gathering around Jesus at this time, hearing this sermon, probably recognize that Jesus was talking about something very specific from the Old Testament here. Psalm 37, what I had Daniel Cannon read for us. In Psalm 37, it's a psalm of of David, King David. It's it's a psalm where King David is pondering the question, why are the wicked prospering? Why? Why are they the ones that dominate? Why does it seem like they are the ones who are inheriting the earth? That's what King David's pondering. And Jesus is using Psalm 37 here at Matthew 5, verse 5. He's expositing. You think about Psalm 37, the meek and lowly, it says, will inherit the earth. We're told that in verse 9, verse 11, verse 22, verse 29, and verse 34. And we're reminded here, for the sake of time, the believer must meekly learn to wait upon the Lord. We must meekly learn to wait upon the Lord. What does that have to do with verse 5 of chapter 5 of Matthew? Notice it does not say that the meek will overpower the earth. Notice that it doesn't say we'll invade the earth or overrun the earth. No, it says they will inherit the earth. And so our understanding of this is this. It is God's gracious gift to those who are meek. It's a gift to those who are meek. It's not the fruit of their own efforts. It's the efforts of someone else. The one who's teaching this, Jesus. When you look at Revelation chapter 21, I'm not going to read all of it, verse 21, but there we see... see this futuristic of inheriting where the new heavens and the new earth come down. And we're told that God is making all things new. All things new. So what will we inherit? We will inherit that which is free from groaning and decay. We will inherit that which is free from death We will inherit that which is free from tears and crying. It's there in Revelation 21. We're told he wipes away the tears. No, those things have passed away. All things are now new. The meek, hear me this morning, will inherit the earth. They will. So as we conclude, I want you to think about four things. When you're meek, the world will not respond in meekness. You understand that. Don't expect those who are unbelievers to respond to you in meekness. They're unable to do that. You're unable to do that unless the power of God through the Spirit is working in your life. Number two... We are to be meek everywhere we go. It's not limited to a certain place. Everywhere you go, this is who you're to be. And third, I want to say this to you. Pray that God would develop this in you. Ask Him to do that. Ask Him to do that gracious work in you. To develop meekness in your life. And last, I would say this to you. Have you repented? of the lack of meekness in your life. Let's pray. Father, we come to You, Lord, and thank You for this word. Thank You, Lord, for this verse. Blessed be the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Lord, we we thank You that, Lord, You are doing this in us if we are Yours. And Father, I pray this morning for those who may be gathered here who don't know You. Who have no idea. This sounds so foreign and so counterculture to what they know. God, I pray by Your Spirit would You draw them to Yourself. Would You open their eyes so they can see the beauty of Your Son, Jesus Christ and cry out to You for salvation. In Your Son who died in our place and rose again on the third day, and has ascended to be with You. He's reigning and ruling sovereignly over all things. God, we come to You today and we thank You, Lord, that we have this great hope of Your Son, Jesus. Thank You that we have this great hope of Your Spirit working in our lives, conforming us into the image of Your Son. Lord, I just pray today and I pray... You would would just join me in this prayer. Lord, would You work this in us? Would You make us meek people? Lord, certainly as we looked at this ultimate example of Your Son, that's who we're to be. We're we're to be like that. We're to be gentle. We're to, to be meek. And Lord, we need Your Spirit to do that work in our lives. Help us to put off pride, irritability, rashness, harshness, self-interest, and by your Spirit, help us to put on what you've called us to be, your meek people. And Father, I pray and thank you, Lord, that by your good gift of grace, we will one day inherit what is free from groaning. What is free from brokenness? What is free from death? What is free from pain? Because you, O oh Lord, are making all things new. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.